Welcome to the Making Artists podcast, where artists learn how to stop starving, struggling, and aspiring, and instead, start making. You don't need a fine arts degree, a trust fund, or a more supportive family to be a successful artist. You just need to let your creativity lead you all the way to the top. I am fellow artist and professional certified coach, Nancy Sun, and I teach artists just like you how to make art, money, and an impact without giving up or burning out. Listen to learn how. Hey artists, how are you? How are you really? How are you feeling? And by that I mean, how does your body feel? And this inquiry, how does your body feel, is actually the topic for today's episode, every body. And of course, because it's an episode of the Making Artists podcast, it is meant for artists, creatives, storytellers, painters, filmmakers, content creators, but it is also meant for everyone, every human, every body. LOL. So if there are people who don't self-identify as creative, who you haven't shared the Making Artists podcast with, this might be the episode to share. And of course, as a coach, artist, and human myself, I actually have it that everyone is creative. It's part of the human condition. And at minimum, everyone is at least creating their own life experience, the story of their life. So at minimum, everyone is a storyteller. But anyway, when you hear that the intention of this episode is to support you becoming a better you, by creating a better life through your body, you might think, oh crap, am I about to get lectured at on what the optimal, most ideal form of exercise is, what my superfood diet should look like, that I should start intermittent fasting or having really good sleep hygiene? Is Nancy going to tell me how many hours of sleep I should get? and at what hour I should wake up, and what my perfect morning routine should look like right before New Year's. Now, this might feel especially true because, at least in the States, the noise around our bodies gets really loud this time of year. As I am recording this, we just had American Thanksgiving, a food-centered holiday, and are heading into the winter holiday season, which has a lot of food traditions and rituals that can create winter weight, a lot of mind drama around weight gain, and then the immediate impulse to shed it in January with hashtag new year, new you goals. So you might be thinking, is this entire episode going to be Nancy listing a bunch of ways everyone should be hacking their body? And the answer is no, I'm not. Sorry, not sorry. Now, if I did get on my soapbox in this episode and start listing a bunch of the shoulds we just talked about, I actually might be reinforcing the relationship you have with your body that exists now, which might sound like my body is something I have. My body is something I can control. 
and my body is something that I need to and can optimize, make more effective, and that if you haven't, don't, or can't do any of the things I'm suggesting, then it's your body's fault for being so annoying and stopping or slowing you down from the life you want. Artist, if you learn anything from this episode, the expert about your body is your own body, not me. Wow. (laughs) So when I came up with this idea for this episode, I didn't expect it to go this deep this fast. So I'm just going to back up a bit. I was actually inspired to do this episode because of what I've seen happen so often with my artist clients, which is they don't bring their body into the coaching session at all. Now, the good news is they might not relate to their body as a problem, yay, but they also don't relate to it as part of the solution either. So a lot of humans come to me as a coach to help them answer a lot of existential questions they are having, which is either preventing them from starting their artist's journey or stalling them on their artist's journey. And these are questions like, who am I? Or in the words of Billie Eilish, what was I made for? What if I'm not good enough at it? What if this is actually all wrong? What if I am wrong for this? And is this even worth it? And if these questions sound vague, you're not wrong. Because usually these questions might start very specific, but start to telescope and spiral out until one is questioning everything about everything. And the seed of this existential crisis really started in their reply to the question, how are you? How are you feeling? AKA, what does your body feel? How we usually end up in existential crisis is as you are building the skill of finally finishing a project, a painting, or a story, or as you are building the skill of sharing your projects, paintings, and screenplays so that they can find their audience, or as you are building the skill of selling your projects or your skills, whether they be acting, editing, copywriting, so that you can make money from them. When you answer the question, how are you? The reply can often be, I feel frustrated, bored, anxious, stressed out. I'm nervous. I'm angry. I'm worried. And that's when the humans fall into a trap of getting existential. They ask, what does it mean about me, my art, my choices, my life that make me feel this way? Instead of, what is the simplest explanation for why I might feel this way? And the answer to that question can usually be found in your body. Let me give an example. So I had a client who started with me lamenting that she was behind 
Now, she is a multi-hyphenate artist who acts, sings, writes songs, but she just binge-watched a bunch of documentaries about performers who were younger than her and more successful than her because, after all, they had documentaries about themselves and she did not, at least in my opinion, not yet. So she wanted coaching on the thought that she was behind, her impulse to just give up now because she felt disappointed in answering the question, how are you? I'm disappointed. However, if she had asked herself, what is the simplest explanation for why I feel disappointed, which is what we did in our coaching session, she realized it's because she had been spending too much time in front of screens. She was feeling disappointed because her body had just been sitting still in front of a TV or a phone, just watching these documentaries, which is hours of content already, but then also checking in on these particular celebrities' socials. So she had also been spending a lot of time doom scrolling about them. And I'm not sure if doom scrolling is actually the right word. I don't know if hate scrolling exists or she was jealousy scrolling. Anyway, she was spending a lot of time doing this. And when she came to me with this request of helping her with this thought, I'm behind, she just casually mentioned that this scrolling ritual was what she was doing to begin and end her day. So she was on her phone and on their socials because the algorithm knows she was stalking them and was sending her more info, more videos, more reels that she was then using to weaponize it against herself. Now, even regardless of whatever she was watching, we know scientifically that screen time just in and of itself can change mood, increase the possibility of depression and anxiety. And the fact that it was she was watching people she was comparing herself to and determining she was lesser than was just making it even worse. So the simplest explanation for why she felt the way she felt could be explained by her body. Her eyes and her brain were spending way too much time just sedentary in front of screens, period. And when we listened to her body instead, we realized it craved making music, singing, songwriting, playing the guitar, playing the piano, instead of just watching other people do it. So we created boundaries around social media, around following her competitors, did some mindset work to consider them her peers and her inspiration, and made sure her body got what it wanted, which was to spend time with instruments, including her own voice, making music, instead of just watching other people do it. The result was her collaborating with other musicians as a vocalist on their projects. Her first EP, now available wherever you can stream, and a series of concerts where she performed all over New York City. And so even though we started out working together as just her being an actress, and she wasn't even a musical theater actress, by the time we ended, we extroverted her singer-songwriter self until she could fully embody this identity of being a singer-songwriter who 
other people perhaps are now putting on their screens. Hey artist, love what you're hearing here, but somehow just not able to do it on your own. You don't have to. I'm not just the host of the Making Artists podcast. I'm also a professional certified coach. And great news, I am currently taking on new one-on-one clients just like you. Sign up for a free first consult with me. In 45 minutes, we'll figure out what tweaks you need to make to experience creative success. Visit www.makingartistspodcast.com. That's making artists, plural with an S, podcast.com to book. Link also available in the show notes. And now back to the episode. I'm getting a lot of experience listening to bodies and accessing body wisdom by observing my toddler's body as their parent. Now, as a parent, before you thought spiral that something might be really, really, really wrong with your kid, especially when you're a first-time parent, you're really encouraged to practice HALT, H-A-L-T, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Witnessing your child, you ask yourself, are they hungry? Are they angry? Are they lonely? Are they tired? The T can also be, are they thirsty? And in the event that they're not yet potty trained, you can ask them, are they, is their diaper wet or is it dirty? Which is less of a problem or inquiry for adults. And or maybe add, are they inside too much? And we're encouraged to, as parents, look at what their physical body needs are before considering it could be something else. So I'm reminded of a season a few months back when my toddler was obsessed with climbing the stairs. I used to call him Rocky during this period because all he wanted to do was play on the staircase. We are on the third floor of a four-story brownstone, so he loved climbing the stoop, climbing the inside staircase up to our floor, and then even past our apartment and up another flight of stairs. And he wanted to spend every waking moment climbing and practicing climbing. And one night, it was just past his bedtime. And because of that, I closed the door to the stairwell. And because I was no longer giving him access to the stairs, he got really angry, really frustrated, and he started to throw a temper tantrum. And I could tell that he thought the only thing that would make him happy is if he was just allowed to climb the stairs some more. Even though from the outside, I could tell that, you know, he wasn't, he was kind of no longer in climbing flow anymore. He was making more mistakes while climbing. So it was becoming a little bit dangerous. And as a parent, I should take him out. And also he was becoming more easily frustrated, angry, upset, climbing, even before I took the activity away. So I scooped him up, started his bedtime routine, and I put him to bed, which his brain did not like because it wanted to continue climbing. And in fact, he fought me all the way through his bedtime routine. 
But the minute he was alone in his crib, boom, he was asleep. He was out cold. And my instinct was correct. His body didn't need to add another minute to all the hours he had already put in on the staircase. It didn't need the stimulation of the staircase anymore, even though his brain still wanted to play on it. His body actually already had like 11 and a half hours awake, and what it needed was to sleep. Now, of course, because he is so young, it's developmentally appropriate to use my instincts as his parent. As a coach, however, supporting a lot of adult humans, I support you developing your own instincts about your body. And today in this episode, I'm requesting that you cultivate that awareness of your body's needs. And so often your body communicates to you through physical sensations, which unfortunately, because we are so disconnected, we often mistake for heart emotions. When your stomach is tight, clenched, or feels like it has butterflies, is it possible that you are not stressed out, nervous, or anxious, but your stomach is literally empty? Is this your body's way of telling you, hey, I'm hungry. When was the last time we ate? And what did we eat? And did it really nourish us, not only functionally, but also spiritually? And checking in when your heart space feels empty. Instead of hopelessness, could your body just be telling you that you're lonely? I mean, when was the last time you interacted face-to-face with another human in a meaningful way? Have your human interactions been satisfying and fulfilling or simply transactional? Is what you need human eye contact, connection, touch, maybe a hug? And is your mind racing a million thoughts a minute? Are you thought spiraling? Consider that you are like my kid, that maybe you are overstimulated, you've been awake too long, and your brain is full. And this is your brain's way of telling you that you're tired. After all, how long have you been awake? How was your sleep last night? How many hours was it and what was its quality? Do you currently feel well-rested? And real talk, do you need a nap? Can you let yourself have a nap? Or at least rest your eyes? These are just some of the questions that you can ask your body and get in conversation. Maybe the simplest guess for why you feel the way you feel as it pertains to your body is the real reason. So you can actually create a real solution. In philosophy, this problem-solving tool is actually called Occam's Razor. And the Cliff Notes version of this principle is the simplest explanation is usually right. I've also heard it described in a spicy way as don't attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity. So in this case, don't be mean to yourself or assume you or someone else in the world is evil and against you when there might be a really dumb 
easy explanation for the way you feel instead. So to get personal, I spent a chunk of my young adulthood not listening to my body and listening to my brain instead. When I moved to New York, my heart really wanted to get a job that served a creative industry, initially book publishing. But as anyone who moves to New York knows, once you start paying New York rent, your brain very strategically starts to apply for jobs that will make you make rent. And that could be outside of what originally brought you to New York in the first place. Now, I don't want to fault my brain for thinking that way. It did help me survive and it got me a super corporate job. In this case, it was a job in human resources recruiting for Wall Street. And then that job paid well and then a lot better, but it was at the expense of my body, working 12-hour days, five days a week, and sometimes even coming in on weekends. And my body spent a lot of time in front of computer screens, eating a lot of sodium and sugar-heavy takeout, sitting on my butt in an office cubicle all year round in a work environment that really didn't embrace vacations and PTO, so paid time off. So I'm going to be honest, I didn't listen to my body in that season. I adopted the line of thinking so many people adopt in this culture steeped in patriarchy, white supremacy, colonialism. And I believed that I had to tame, control, hack my body, which meant I ended up developing an eating disorder because I wanted to look like I didn't actually live the work lifestyle that I actually lived. And I hoped that if I looked a certain way, that maybe I would be happier doing what I was doing. And for years, I didn't realize that what my body was actually telling me was to unsubscribe from this toxic work environment that I only got into because I was really impatient, urgent, and scared in my job search when I was 22. I'm actually supporting a client make the same transition away from a toxic work environment or work industry. And a part of that transition is supporting them listening to their body so that they can create healthy boundaries around their art as their full-time job without bringing in the toxic mindset, habits, and work environment that their body previously didn't like when they were in the tech startup world. So if this is something that you are battling with in your creative practice, how to have one in a sustainable, loving way, in part by listening to your instincts, your gut, your body. That's something we can definitely work together in coaching. So definitely get in touch at www.makingartistspodcast.com. That's making artists plural with an s.com. The link is available in the show notes. In my coaching practice, I really teach artists and creative humans how to have a healthy partnership between equals with your body. Often because 
how you do one thing is how you do everything. So the way that you regard your body and treat it often becomes the way you regard and treat your creative process, treat your works in progress, treat your art, treat your audience, treat your fans, treat your collectors. And it doesn't benefit you to allow each of these relationships to trigger existential crises that get in the way of you having the life that you want. When really there's a simple, easy explanation and alternatively a simple, easy solution. I found when we practice halt first in coaching conversations, asking us if our body's needs fundamentally are getting met, we start troubleshooting the right problems instead of getting into existential questions that fundamentally will not be answered until the end, perhaps, of our individual lifetimes, if then. So I'm encouraging you to take this tool and start implementing it for yourself. And in the event that you are disconnected, don't know how to listen to your body, or are implementing solutions that are somehow not sticking, or if you need accountability, trying different things because your brain's jump to conclusion mat is so well automatic, I'm here for it. I would love and be honored to coach you through it. And until that moment comes, I want to encourage you to keep making your art. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Making Artists podcast. Are you ready to start making your best art, money, and life right now? Good news. You can coach with me to make it all happen. Book your free consult at www.makingartistspodcast.com. That's makingartists, plural with an S, dot com. Link available in the show notes. Or just keep in touch via Instagram and TikTok at the Nancy Sun. Or subscribe to my newsletter. Link also available in the show notes. Want to help more artists find this podcast? Subscribe, rate, and review Making Artists wherever you listen to this episode. Or forward this to an art friend you think really needs to hear this. Until next time, keep making your art.